The Hickory Nut Gorge is a magnificent jewel in the mountains of western North Carolina, and it's home to the communities of Girton, Bat Cave, Chimney Rock Village, and Lake Lure. This 14-mile-long canyon cuts a picturesque pass, exposing spectacular sheer granite cliffs, and it contains an abundance of undisturbed forests. The Hickory Nut Creek runs through the gorge and cascades for miles over small, beautiful waterfalls before it merges into the powerful, boulder-strewn Broad River before emptying into Lake Lure. It is also home to the budding Hickory Nut Gorge State Trail, which we're going to talk about today. In this episode, I sit down with Peter Barr, who led the development of more than 20 miles of new sustainable trails, as well as the legislative authorization of the planned 130-mile Hickory Nut Gorge State Trail Network. He is a two-time national award-winning trail designer, receiving recognition for outstanding construction and design for the three-mile Wildcat Rock Trail in 2018 and the eight-mile Weed Patch Mountain Trail and Tunnel Trail in 2019. The Weed Patch Trail was recognized as one of the best trails in the country by the National Coalition for Recreational Trails. Peter attributes the vision for the Hickory Nut Gorge Trail Network to John Myers, a lifelong conservationist and rock climber who comes from the Hickory Nut Gorge. For more than a decade, Myers worked with Conserving Carolina to permanently protect nearly 200 acres of his properties, including two conservation easements on Little Bear Walla Mountain and conveyances of the Wildcat Rock and Upper Hickory Nut Gorge Trailhead tracks. We talk about the vast natural beauty in this region and how the 4,200-foot Bear Walla Mountain, which happens to be the tallest summit of the Hickory Nut Gorge, was made possible due to conserved lands owned by Conserving Carolina and the trail building efforts by the Carolina Mountain Club. We also talk about how this project led to further conservation efforts that made the development of this extensive trail network possible. The Hickory Nut Gorge is a special place, but what makes the trail system extra special is the collective effort of landowners, conservation groups, and talented trail designers and contractors that has led to ultra-sustainable trails throughout the gorge that will be protected forever. Join us as we take a closer look at this spectacular place and the people who have made it possible for all of us to explore such an amazing place. You're listening to Exploration Local, a podcast designed to explore and celebrate the people and places that make the Blue Ridge and Southern Appalachian Mountains special and unique. My name is Mike Andrus, the host of Exploration Local. Join us on our journey to explore these mountains and discover how they fuel a spirit of adventure. We encourage you to wander far, but explore local. Let's go. We're going to talk about the trail design work in the Hickory Nut Gorge and talk about the uh, sort of the backdrop of the Hickory Nut Gorge and all the trails that are in there. But before we get there, I think it's worth mentioning that, Peter, you're quite an accomplished hiker yourself. I mean, just a couple of highlights that speak to your hiking pedigree. You through hiked the AT in 2010. You traversed all 900 miles of trails in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. You've hiked all summits above 4,000 feet in the eastern United States and more than 2,000 ranked peaks nationwide, including numerous 14ers. Man, that's quite an impressive hiking resume, brother. Yeah, well, well thanks. Um, it, yeah, hiking and, and outdoor exploration is definitely my, my passion, and I'm interested in a, a handful of kind of pursuits like that. I'm a big, as you can tell, list keeper, and I love to kind of check stuff off and I love projects, so whether that's professionally or personally. So, professionally, maybe uh, uh, planning, designing, building 
managing a trail project personally it's it's pursuing a goal and and working towards it and seeing if i can get there and a, a lot of those accomplishments you mentioned are are just individual projects and some of them took six months like the at hike and the four thousand foot peaks in the east uh, took 15 years mm. and i i find great fulfillment in kind of continuously working and plugging along at something to to meet that goal and so I find that fulfilling on one end. On the other end, these lists, uh, many people can be critical of lists of like, oh, I, I go where I want to and no list is going to make me go somewhere I don't want to go to, which I understand. But at the same time, I definitely have experienced so many new and interesting places pursuing all of those uh, destinations that have enriched my life that I would never have visited otherwise. So today we were going to talk about the Hickory Nut Gorge uh, we're, and we ultimately we want to talk about the trail system, the Hickory Nut Gorge Trail System, and all the work that you have done with your role there with Conserving Carolina. But before we even get there, let's just kind of talk about the characteristics of Hickory Nut Gorge. Let's talk about sort of geographically, where is that? What does it contain? We know a lot of people understand Chimney Rock and Chimney Rock State Park, and you got a really cool story to share about that, and then Lake Lure. But really, let's talk about just the the boundaries and sort of the geographic area of Hickory Nut Gorge, and uh, let's talk a little bit about the characteristics just in general, and then we'll get a little bit more into the trail design. The Hickory Nut Gorge is located um, uh, basically on the Blue Ridge Escarpment, um, so the transitional zone between North Carolina's flatter Piedmont Plateau and where the mountains rise up abruptly um, to the southern Appalachians. And so for some landmarks to orient folks, um, Hickory Nut Gorge is located southeast, probably 20-30 minute drive southeast of the population center of Asheville. It's kind of right where Buncombe and Henderson counties, as well as Rutherford counties, come together and, and intersect. Um, in fact, kind of the, the midpoint where all that happens, probably near the center of the gorge. <laughs> um, geographically, also, it is that extreme terrain relief between that plateau and then the, and the big mountains creates a lot of dynamic terrain so the hickory neck gorge is teeming with these really amazing vertical granite cliffs and, and sheer rock faces and and with that you get some incredible waterfalls cascading off of the the top of the cliffs um, down into the gorge itself the hickory nut gorge spans about eight miles as the crow flies from the western tip of the lake of Lake Lore there uh, near the village of Chimney Rock and the town of Lake Lore and runs west, northwest in the vicinity towards uh, the direction of Asheville, about eight miles up and um, goes through some communities, small communities like uh, Bat Cave and then up to a small village of Girton close to the Henderson Buncombe County line. And we kind of divide the Hickory Nut Gorge into a couple sections, not formally, but just to orient folks, you've got 
kind of the Lake Lore area around kind of where the Chimney Rock attraction is. And then you have what we call the Lower Gorge, and that would be from Chimney Rock uh, Village and, and the Chimney Rock itself up through um, Back Cave to where the Rocky Broad River um, comes in, um, kind of near the intersection of highways 9, 64, and 74. Um, and then the Upper Gorge heading from Back Cave up to that community of Girton, which is kind of in the northeastern corner of of Henderson County. And then uh, there's a lot of things that make the Hickory Neck Gorge really, really special. And so I mentioned the, the cliff faces and the waterfalls. And so that leads to really dramatic scenery. The massive elevation change when you're when you're down near um, Lake Lore, you're in the 1500 foot elevation range and bear the top of Bearwall Mountain and Little Pisk on the other end of the gorge rises up to 4,200 feet. And that change in elevation that abruptly in such a short distance not only makes it amazingly scenic and uh, very geologically dynamic, but it also leads to some of the most intense biodiversity in um, all the southern Appalachians because you have all these different kind of climactic zones, all these different types of um, rock and, and vegetation. Um, so it's a very, very special place, both scenically, biologically, and in my opinion, uh, a, a haven for outdoor recreation potential. And you've had a quite a draw and a sort of a love affair of this whole area, even before trails were starting to be developed and plans were, were made for a multi-mile trail system, right? This is something that's kind of near and dear to your heart for a while. Yeah, absolutely. I, I first discovered the Hickory Nut Gorge, or especially aside from Chimney Rock itself, I, I do recall as a, as a young child, my parents taking me to Chimney Rock and climbing it. But when I was working on the uh, North Carolina Lookout Towers book, I first visited the summit of Bearwall Mountain, um, probably back in uh, 2006 or so. And hiked up to the top, and it's this grassy bald with 360-degree views and absolutely stunning. And I fell in love with it right away. I, w- I was there for the to, to climb and research the fire tower up on the peak, but realized that I didn't need the fire tower to see these amazing views. And really felt that, wow, this place is, is highly undiscovered and how amazing it is. And so it became very special to me. At the same time, I also got the sense of, it was 2006, so it was kind of during the housing and land boom, and um, that, wow, you know, I'm experiencing this now, but this may not be available to me and many other people in in the future. This, this seemed like a place that was ripe for, for development. Oh, that's awesome, man. So uh, our listeners, our regular listeners are going to know that uh, sort of the backstory behind some of the uh, land conservancy, the land trust deals that were worked out with Conserving Carolina back from when we did the episode with Conserving Carolina with Kieran Rowe. But it's interesting to me, uh, what, what I think is pretty cool is that you have this connection to Bear Wallow. And for me, for this whole area, as you, I've been to, you know, Chimney Rock and Lake Lure, down into the village of Chimney Rock Village. But my first exposure really of hiking any of those trails down there was Bear Wallow as well. And as I understand it, that was the very first trail that you helped to design 
in this area, which really kind of predates this whole Hickory Nut Gorge State Trail. And we're going to we're going to get to that. But um, I think it's really cool if you sort of give the backstory of Bear Wallow. And let's talk a little bit about how that was a springboard into more trails and more planning down the line. This for us was one of the first projects where we said, okay, this is a land protection project and protecting the resources is important. But we had gotten the sense from the landowner and the general community that Bear Wallow was a kind of a highly sought out place kind of informally it didn't necessarily show up on any maps or it wasn't formally a destination but a lot of the local community had been hiking up there for years because it's such a scenic place and the landowners knew that and something that was so so refreshing was when they approached us to conserve their property they said one of the reasons they wanted to do it was because they wanted others to always be able to come here and enjoy it um i think seeing its importance to other people over the years of their ownership was very fulfilling to them and they wanted to solidify that permanently as well so we didn't just do a conservation easement we did a a trail easement also and so that's instead of permanently protecting natural resources which the conservation easement did the trail easement makes the a a trail route up the mountain permanently publicly accessible and and that's a big deal for for private property and ultimately became a a methodology that we use to expand trails at other places in the Hickory Nut Gorge across private lands where lands remain in others' ownership, but there's a formal legal permissibility uh, for, say, pedestrian foot traffic. So, yeah, and then in 2010, the organization began building a hiking trail up to the top of Bearwall Mountain. And the trail was primarily built by volunteers from the Carolina Mountain Club Friday crew who, who CMLC engaged um, for the help to, to get that trail on the ground. We, we didn't know anything about trails, didn't know how to build it, didn't have any of the tools. So the CMC really helped us bring that trail to fruition. And that's about the time that, that I came along. I began working at Conserving Carolina in mid-2010. And the design of the trail, it's an important note that the bear wall was not a trail I designed, but rather was designed by one of my um, longtime mentors, Chuck Ramsey. But I did come along kind of maybe a third of a mile into the construction of that trail and then got involved with it and then helped manage and lead, facilitate the rest of its construction through the Carolina Mountain Club up to the summit. And then we opened it in 2011. And I think my first time to hike that was 2014, I believe, is is when I was officially able to hike it with my dad and my daughter. And it is an absolute amazing treasure. So we are all indebted and grateful to all the work that Conserving Carolina and Carolina Mountain Club, um, the conservancy that, that all you all did. So, yeah, thank you for that. Well, so you went from having a pretty, as we talked about earlier, a pretty stout resume for hiking. You have a heart for the conservation piece. Then you come in here. That really began to sort of launch you into and launch the, the organization into the development of even more trails uh, in that area. So you had so much success with the Bear Wallow that it just led to the protecting and the building and the constructing of other trails in that whole network as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was at that point that I realized that, yes, conservation was 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 my jam. And that's what, what I wanted to pursue for my career. And I was all in. But what really tied it all together for me was the marriage of conservation and outdoor recreation, because I knew myself as an accomplished hiker, it was the time I had spent outdoors and the relationship I developed with and love that I had for these landscapes that is what what really fueled that conservation ethic and and desire to protect these special places so i felt that you know that is the avenue that i think is most effective to for lack of a better term kind of preaching the gospel of conservation to others i can write stories or i can give speeches about the importance of protecting our natural resources but nothing will be more effective than than getting you out on the land and having that personal experience and being able to to touch it to to see it to smell it and and have that have it tug on your heartstrings and fall in love with it. And I feel like in particular as with Bear Mall Mountain as an example, if, if, if we can get you out there and, and show you how amazing it is um, and let you give you the opportunity to do it on your own time, right? Build a trail and then you can come whenever that, that you'll be hooked for life and you're going to want to support conservation of, of more places and, and build more trails. So it definitely was the springboard. Uh, but at the same time, I was just a, I didn't realize it at the time. I thought, oh, I'd hike thousands of miles and climb thousands of peaks. I know trails. And that actually is uh, something that was kind of a slap in the face because that was actually not true. I, I knew trails as a user, but I did not know trails as a, a designer, a, a builder, a maintainer. And it's a very different mindset. So I, I would actually, I found out quickly that regardless of experience, extreme experience in the outdoors using trails only gives you a very mild if if not cursory and, and kind of dangerous knowledge to become a, a trail professional so at that point i began studying and and basically kind of shadowing and and kind of an informal mentorship as as Concerned Carolina pursued a few more projects nearby Bear Wall Mountain, most notably at the Trombatory Trail. And then we built a, a new access trail. It's not new anymore, but um, up into the Florence Nature Preserve, our access there used to be much more complicated. And so I first studied under a trail designer i mentioned his name is chuck ramsey who at the time was working for a professional trail contracting outfit called trail dynamics which is still around and has helped us many times over the years and and really just job shadowed him he he designed that trail up into Orange nature preserve not far from bear wallow and i learned from him and then I ultimately set out and did the design of the Trombatory Trail, which is directly opposite at the same trailhead as Bear Wall Mountain. Did that design on my own, but kind of under the guidance of Chuck. Chuck came and walked it and and critiqued it and and modified it, and made suggestions. So still still kind of a learning process. And then as I became more and more experienced and realized that I was gaining the skills and knowledge as a as a trails professional and and no longer as as only from the perspective of a trails user. Um, and, and and the big part of this is 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 trail sustainability. We are a natural resource organization. So 
it's paramount that when we set out to do a trail project that we uh, keep our foremost mission of, of conservation in mind. And, and trails can can be kind of an antithesis to that, right? We're, we're digging up dirt and throwing it off the side of the mountain. Sometimes it gets in the stream and we're cutting down trees and we're, we're digging through plants and animals' habitats. So so that that is a bit of a, a threat to those conservation uh, resources. But we learned that through modern sustainable trail science, and this is especially in the design and then very, very careful construction, that we could make that marriage of conservation and, and public recreation work by designing the trail right, building it right, um, doing so in, in very careful ways and, and almost you know, very scientifically and precise that we can concentrate the impact of users and really minimize overall effect of public access into what what may be a, a very sensitive uh, natural environment. So yeah, and then and then, and then the rest we kind of went project by project and uh, moved on to to more trails in the Hickory Neck Gorge. So can we park there for a little bit with the sustainability yeah. piece because th- that part I am I would say in the last twelve months I have a little bit more. It's very minute, but I have a little bit more of an understanding of that just by experiencing some of your trails. But sustainability has kind of become one of these buzzwords like wellness. Like really, what does it mean, right? So when the rubber hits the road or the feet hit the trail, what does that mean? And what does that really look like from a construction standpoint? Just so when we're out on the trail, when people see this, they can go, oh, this this is kind of what they're talking about. This is sustainability. Yeah, you bet. So um, it's kind of funny. And over the years, I've, I've given a number of trainings and workshops on sustainable trail design and construction and, and spoken at some national conferences about it to other land trust professionals and recreational managers. And I always tell them that, okay, when you, when you really learn about trail sustainability, as a user, it's going to ruin you, meaning <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're going to be hiking and all you're going to be doing is seeing really bad things and trails and and that's because most trails unfortunately in our region are bad trails and by bad i mean unsustainable i mean and and by unsustainable i mean negatively impactful to the natural environment around them physically unsustainable meaning what was there at one point is now no longer there and then what's what's there right now isn't going to be there and we're talking like soil and rock and tread of the trail and then also unsustainable as a user experience meaning as the trail continues to degrade due to unsustainability um, users don't like it and then they'll start finding their own way that they do like and that mm. just causes more impact so i will say the vast majority of trails in our region are bad some even horrifically bad i don't necessarily have any like animosity or fault that i can lay it's just that modern trail science has progressed a lot in the past um, decade or two and when most of our trails in our region were made this science didn't really exist. There wasn't really given much thought to it. And in fact, that remains to this day one of the more dangerous components when people think of trail development or say even if they want to get involved and volunteer or, or just have goodwill and go out and make a trail, that you, you really can do it the wrong way and it be bad for the environment, it be bad for the land manager, it be bad for the user. But yeah, a long time ago, we didn't know about this. So typically trails went as short of distance and straight from point a to point b and in our mountains that's often up really steep slopes up the fall line and not much thought was given to okay what are the elements that are going to make this trail a a minimal 
input to maintain and by minimal input all trails need, need maintenance sustainable or not because some some sticks and some branches and even some trees are going to fall down on them sometimes there may be a, a very dramatic weather event where even a very sustainable trail will suffer some damage from just a massive uncharacteristic deluge of water however trails that are unsustainable are a good uh, i won't list out any specific examples but but think of eroded old roadbeds that are trails and they might have blazes and these are really common in the national forests around western north carolina where you can kind of look and see that the original bank or the original level of the soil of the forest sometimes is three four even five feet yeah. above sometimes almost head level and that soil used to be there it's not like the trail was built that way that eroded over time and then that becomes a negative exponential problem so on the flip side of that what are what are good sustainable trails look like and i'm, I'm doing my best to cram a, a 90 minute presentation into about five minutes here but bad trails are straight and good trails are curvy and that seems very simplistic but it there's there's literally multiple dimensions to this and that a uh, a, a good sustainable trail is curvy and by that i mean side to side meaning it's constantly changing directions and so always curving side to side and then changing direction in the horizontal plane as well so constantly undulating up and down not only are both of these uh, features kind of naturally how the landscape is anyways you know in nature you rarely see anything that's perfectly straight but uh, but these curves side to side and up and down are going to help manage water and keep water off of the tread and and really uh, prevent it from becoming erosive because every directional change if it's side to side water always wants to take the path of least resistance so if you if you curve the trail a little sometimes it's subtle sometimes it's more extreme water's going to keep going straight and shoot off that way and then especially if you curve it up and down and undulate it what we what we call uh, grade reversals and rolling grade dips and nicks and you just change the the, you reverse the angle of of the tread the the, tr the water is also gonna gonna shoot off the trail so if you think of a trail that's curving side to side and up and down you know it wiggles in both direction honestly every few feet every 10 20 feet there's going to be an opportunity that's going to shoot that water off of the trail uh, meaning that water is never going to be on any part of that tread for more than 10 or 15 feet which means it can't accumulate in in mass it can't pick up in speed very much and it can't accumulate a lot of uh, sediment to make it so erosive so uh, when i have to give kind of a, a five minute water sustainable trails and if there's anything i could tell folks who are developing trails or, or looking at trails of what's good and bad is that curviness side to side and curviness up and down another thing aside from the curviness of the trail is to to not make a trail too steep you know we we often consider a maximal sustainable grade to be 10 percent or less and we aim for lower and if we ever have to exceed that for whatever terrain or property constraints then we really double down on that curviness of those grade reversals and directional changes so bad trails are steep and straight and good trails are curvy uh and not steep <laughs> so you got bear wallow trombatory trail when we go out from those two particular trails at what point did you all begin to say hey there's more to this and there are other areas that we want to explore we want to um, help preserve and create part of this this trail network where did you go from there 
Yeah, I think um, after the success of Bearwall Mountain, we saw how much the community and, and also people from, from even far distances really enjoy that. And we started working on the Trombatory Trail. Um, I think it was during the process of building the Trombatory Trail that we thought, you know, okay, let's let's think big and let's start get let, let's start putting things in motion for what comes next. And so I think even before the end of the Trombatory Trail construction, we were making headway on just the logistics um, of the Wildcat Rock Trail. And by logistics, I mean kind of land acquisition and landowner cooperation and, and especially funding. Uh, most of these trail uh, conservation easements and trail easements, we, we purchase from the landowners. So we can't just um, have an agreement of like, yeah, this is great. Let's do this and let's go build the trail. And if only it were that simple. So a lot of time and a lot of money goes into uh, making sure what we do is forever. So we saw kind of that logistical go ahead to do that and then began fundraising and, and ultimately were able to purchase both some land and then some trail easement through um, private property that was owned by the Hickorynet Gorge visionary John Myers again. So he was again involved in, in helping spur along this network and started designing and building the the Wildcat Rock Trail that was next and and that one was quite a uh quite an effort um that was probably the most hybrid project I've ever been involved with and that's because it was all resource based financial resource based what I mean I mean we only had a, a little bit of money at, at a given time and then got a little bit of more money and then got a little bit of more money we did we did not set out and do that project where we had everything we needed to complete that trail um, all at once. And with that, interestingly, that led to a whole lot of folks being involved with its construction. And I'm grateful to, to all of them. And that includes uh, the company Trail Dynamics, I mentioned, a professional crew, and they built the first mile of that trail with a mini excavator. It was then hand finished with tools by a crew with the Vermont conservation crew that I brought down from Vermont. And then some of the rock work in the middle of the trail, we, we literally skipped a section, some of the rock work, which is the big stairs by the waterfall that came later. Some of the rock work in the middle of the trail was constructed by the North Carolina Conservation Youth Conservation Corps. The upper portion of the trail leading to kind of the meadow and the saddle between big and little bear wall that was constructed by Carolina Mountain Club volunteers, our Conserving Carolina Rock Crusher volunteers, our weekly trail crew with the organization um, who's gotten extremely skilled, passionate about supporting our network. Uh, Dino Contos and Benchmark Trails, once I was able to get the funding, hired him. He came along and built the incredible rock block stairs where these rocks were quarried several hundred yards away and flown through the air on a cable oh, highline wow. system um, and put into place, you know, almost looks like some ancient Inca ruins now and they'll, they'll truly be there forever. And we did that because we knew we had to take the trail through a very, very steep section. We knew it would be spectacular to the user. So it was, it's worth doing, but we also feared that if we took it in a more roundabout way, the user would still go the steep way anyways. And that was a particularly sensitive natural community there. So it, it ultimately led to a spectacular trail and good for the land and I think really valued by the users. So that was quite the hodgepodge a project and that was a trail that 
two years or a couple years later, we um, extended by two miles. So it's now probably close to, to four or five miles to link to the top of Bearwall Mountain. And that was a trail I designed and was constructed by Shrimper Care and Single Track Trails, a, a professional contracting outfit. And so uh, particularly that first phase of the trail, that first three miles of Wildcat Rock Trail was fortunate enough to win a, a national award from the National Coalition of Recreational Trails. And and that was for the design and construction of the trail. So so while I may have designed the trail and 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 proud to have contributed something really positive to this network, that award also really goes to all the those entities I just mentioned in uh, in making that putting that trail on the ground were those the same players that were involved in the Weed Patch Mountain Trail because that was a another award winning trail that that you all designed and and also received recognition from the Coalition of Recreational Trails right. That, that's correct. So um, a little bit, not as many players involved in that trail, but as complicated as the Wildcat Rock Trail project was, Weed Patch Mountain Trail was even more complicated. Um, <laughs> and I can chuckle and look back on it now, but that's a, a project that I lost a lot of sleep on um, because we implemented that project and had to take a number of risks that we were forced into, but it was it was calculated decisions and, and worth doing. That was a trail where it was a project that was an initiative of the town of lake lore and this coming just after the the wildcat rock trail town of lake lore had had constructed um, on their own with a private contractor about three and a half miles of trail in what's known as buffalo creek park and the second phase of their project was to link buffalo creek park all the way to chimney rock state park land um, at a very scenic rock outcropping called Eagle Rock. But that project was extremely challenging. The terrain was a major issue. There were, despite having a lot of acres to work with, because it's an escarpment, we we probably only had maybe 20% of the total acreage that was on paper that we could actually put a trail on. Or if we put it lower, we'd run into a literal cliff and couldn't get it up there. So quite the amount of train constraints and property constraints is extremely remote and its access was was difficult. And all these these issues um, were were problematic for the town. And um, as they were trying to figure them out, kind of time was running out. They had received um, a pretty sizable grant from the state trails program through the recreational trails program grant. And time was running out and at that time, uh, another one of my professional mentors, Chris Braun, who was the former manager um, of the town of Lake Lore, was leaving his position at the town and, and moving away. And so that left the town a little bit stuck without leadership to kind of drive home and finish this project. And they were already in a tight spot of all of these obstacles. So Chris, who had been a longtime supporter of Conservative Carolina and served on our board and one of, a close friend of mine and professional mentor, came to Conservative Carolina and said, hey, look, here's the situation. You guys seem like you've gotten pretty proficient with trail development, um, even in some complicated scenarios of, of terrain and access and and uh, land ownership. Can you Can you help us out? Do you think you can you can complete this project. And uh, it's one of those where I'm thinking to myself, (laughs) probably not, but boy, would it be a missed opportunity to not try it? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
So, uh, so that project, I, on behalf of Concerned Carolina, hired a, a, a professional trail contractor, Shrimper Care, who's now with Single Track Trails at the time. He was just a kind of one-man entity with, with uh, uh, a, a small ragtag crew that eventually became very skilled and very proficient. And we were building what was, gonna, what was seven miles of trail. It turned out to be closer to eight miles of trail. I was... He started digging, and I started designing in front of his machine. Oh my gosh! Uh, now that is not the way you want to go about something. <laughs> um, that is is quite risky, you know. And I'm remember my mantra is you got to design it very carefully and do it right. And, um, but we had some time and financial constraints, and so that's kind of how we do it. Had to do it, and uh, we just kind of believed it would happen. So in in most cases, for all eight miles, I was only a quarter a mile out in front of him wow um, as he was building and so as you can imagine if if i reach a point and, and these things aren't a given with difficult terrain like that and property boundary constraints you can run into some things that you could be dead in the water and that's not you might have to make a major change if it's even possible at all meanwhile the trail's being built almost up to that point um, so this was quite nerve-wracking, I think, for both of us. And sure enough, we ran into we had to go off property three times, and this involved some some very nervous sitting down with landowners in their living rooms to to ask for permission, and and not just ask for permission, right? We're in this forever, so we need trail easements. We can't let this just disappear in a couple of years if somebody had a change of heart. One time, I, I uh, Shrimper was probably only. 300 yards behind me behind my flag design in the machine and i had to go across a, a section of private property and drove down to charleston south carolina and sat in the living room of a family and and told them that i was their neighbor and here's the project i'm working on and if if i could have their help cooperation and those are pretty nerve-wracking situations because they are not uh ones in which the answer can be no <laughs> yeah um, and fortunately it all, all worked out. And then the final thing with that is five miles into that eight miles trail, the, um, 6,100 acre party rock wildfire, uh, popped up oh, and, yeah. um, literally burnt down every inch of the trail and the project as at the time we did think that literally that it burnt it down. It was all ruined because it, it looked bad as it turns out, the fire um, was maybe damaging to some trees and, and obviously denuded the vegetation for a good season or so, but the trail itself largely remained intact. And I think that's part and due to its sustainability. Mm. Um, it was able to just like it manages water, it was able to manage a lot of those other stresses. So, and we ultimately completed that project and it was a great, I think, marriage between linking two public lands of town owned Buffalo Creek Park to Chimney Rock State Park. And we even used it as an opportunity as I was doing the final bit of trail design. Mike, I don't know if you've hiked the tunnel trail portion of the Weed Patch Mountain Trail, but um, I have not. Definitely check it out. It's a small spur of only about two tenths of a mile. I desperately wanted to take the route of the trail through it, but just uh, terrain wise, because of cliffs and boulder fields, it wasn't feasible. But I thought this would be a missed opportunity to not be able to introduce users to this. And so I. I found, I'm sure I'm not the one to have discovered it, but in my design, crawling around the woods, stumbled across this kind of very large uh, 
you call it a, initially it looked like a cave. Um, but really I think it's, it's like you call it a fissure cave or it's a, a fissure where a, a, a giant several story building sized block of rock broke off from the main part of the cliff and then kind of leaned over and tipped onto the main part of the cliff. So it creates this cave like tunnel. And I thought, gosh, we got to take the, tra- it, this would be a missed opportunity to not take the trail through here. Um, so we created a spur, but that was an expensive section of trail to build. So we got creative on how can we make this work and are there other opportunities here and and we partnered with the carolina climbers coalition who who chipped in some money and and a whole lot of effort and a lot of goodwill to create not only the tunnel trail which was was constructed and built by dino contos who did those uh, rock stairs on wildcat rock but also facilitated the the new creation of rock climbing access at eagle rock uh, which was a, a big success so we were really thrilled to when we build trails to reach as many users and user groups as possible. Wildcat Rock is so rugged, it's hiking only, but we also opened up the Little Bear Wall Falls area to both rock climbing and ice climbing. So that's additional opportunities to enjoy and explore these uh, recreational resources we're creating. And then Weed Patch Mountain is a mountain biking and hiking trail and then now also has um, rock climbing access so the end of that is the culmination of all that led to another national award for for that trail and i I think both of those trails were i think have really amazing design that protects the natural resource is beloved by the users and appreciated by the managers because of its sustainability but also overcame a whole bunch of obstacles to to get it done and, and and get it done on time so just to sort of give full context to this hickory nut gorge state trail you and i were talking a little bit earlier about how some state trails become a state trail does they receive a state trail designation however there's really nothing that you can go do and participate and recreate in at that particular time with some of the work that you all have done in the hickory nut gorge area you did the trail design first started uh, became proficient at it, started developing and rec- or excuse me, um, uh, leaking a lot of these trails, and then it went to the state to become a designated state trail. And so, what we have now is a hundred plus miles in the Hickory Nut Gorge, and we've just talked about a few miles of that. But there's a plan for a hundred plus miles of trail, and it's been completely accepted by the state. It is now a state trail. And I'm wondering if you can kind of speak to that a little bit and just sort of not necessarily talk about all 135 miles of trail, but just how all of this sort of links together and is part of this larger trail network, Peter. Yeah, absolutely. So um, you're you're spot on in that there's a, a number of state trails that are are really, despite them being authorized and, and formally created as kind of now a, a state trail that's a, a unit of the state park system, many of them are, are really just ideas right now, and they're very, very exciting. And you have to start somewhere with an idea, right? So, right. so that's okay. Um, with our trail, we were really proud to basically have proven a lot on the ground and shown both our organizations and and that of all of the partners contributing to this network that we have a lot on the ground to, to show already. We've got a lot in the works. We, we have proficiency, we have partnerships, we have funding, and that uh, we think it's really amazing and, and we can keep this going. And therefore, 
in addition to the spectacular scenery and the and the and the carefully sustainably constructed trails themselves that all of that progress is worthy of state trail designation and that designation means that the trails the network in the hickory nook gorge is significant to to all citizens in north carolina so it's a it's it's a big deal as far as its significance and we were really proud that we could we could bring one to the state and say hey we've got a lot already done we've got a lot we're planning to do and we've got big dreams for the rest of it and we're we're in the throes of 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 trying to do it all and um, just strengthening this overall effort and so i think that is why a few north carolina legislators were were really impressed with the concept of creating the Hickory Nut Gorge State Trail because they saw all the momentum and success on the ground um, and that we knew we had a plan to, to see it through. So it wasn't just a, a big idea that we then let somebody else figure out later and the excitement wanes once you realize how much hard work it is. We had actually invested a lot of the hard work and the money and, and you know forming a coalition of of people and organizations and municipalities to make this happen. So I think that's something that I think is, we're particularly proud of uh, conserving Carolina as, as far as our role in, in creating this Hickory Nut Gorge State Trail. Well, I have to tell you that as, as a user and as somebody who is a resident of Henderson County, I cannot thank you enough in, in the work of conserving Carolina and really all of these groups that have come together, either from the design piece uh, the people who have been invested in it, the people who own land and they have given it over to the land trust, or, or I, I don't know if I should say given it over, but they've allowed it to be protected by the land trust sure. and so forth. And so uh, it, it truly is amazing. And I love the fact that it's literally just down the road, but there's so much down there to explore. You know, I'm kind of guilty of thinking, you know, I need to drive a long ways away to go experience some of the North Carolina mountains where they're literally right here in the backyard, and there's so much to explore. This is one of the things that's that's on my list for, for 2022 to explore this whole area more. And one of the things that you were talking about earlier that I think is a really cool thing that Conserving Carolina does is you have all of these uh, hiking um, challenges. You've got the Hiking Challenge 6, the Flying Squirrel Challenge, and they are a way, as you said earlier, to kind of connect people to these lands to make them more aware of where they are, number one, but number two, what goes in behind or what goes behind building, protecting, preserving, you know, these spaces for, for a lifetime and, and generations and generations. So, man, it, it's so cool. And I know that we could go on and on and on talking about more <laughs> specifics about uh, each of the trails, but um, we're going to have links uh, in the show notes to uh, Conserving Carolina that has done a remarkable job uh, developing maps of this area. He, obviously, you can get more information online about the, the trail specifically, but man, they're just, they're awesome. And so myself, my family, my, my immediate family, my extended family, we've, we've had a chance to enjoy these. Uh, we've had other guests on who own Airbnbs uh, right around the Weed Patch Mountain Trail area. Uh, they absolutely are in love. They moved up from Florida and they're here forever. And it's actually this area that drew them, but now all of these resources that are sort of building out and again in an awesome and responsible way are, are areas that uh, they're they're extremely fond of. So, man, I, I, I can't thank you enough for all the work that you all do. And I know it's not just Peter, there's other people, but what you bring to the table in terms of your vision for it, your passion for it, uh, responsibility and in, in, in design is is awesome, Peter. So it's 
it's good stuff, man. But, well, hey, thanks. Uh, I appreciate hearing that, and that, that's it's it's why we do it, right? And it's it's very rewarding to to hear your sentiment, Mike, just because put a lot into the the planning, the designing, the building, and, and the managing, but often can kind of overlook how much it is appreciated and, and beloved because because we tend to be focused on the next thing so that that uh mean means a lot and i'm, I'm glad you and your family and, and many others are are enjoying it yeah we are immensely and for years ahead man so well good stuff well we will we'll, we'll put a pin in it here i'm never going to say goodbye with you um just because we put a <laughs> pin in it until the next topic which there will be very many but man again appreciate your time today thanks for filling us in and all of the awesome things going on in the hickory nut gorge area man it's it's truly a blessing so thank you brother really appreciate your efforts and your work yeah you bet and let's talk again soon thanks a ton mike absolutely we're so fortunate to have such amazing places to explore in the blue ridge and southern appalachian mountains and the Hickory Nut Gorge, well, this area is just special. And I think one of the main reasons I've fallen so in love with this area is, besides being just minutes from my front door, it's an area that has been made possible because of people who have so loved the Hickory Nut Gorge that they've wanted to protect and preserve their land for generations of explorers to discover the rugged and unspoiled beauty of the gorge. People have flocked to the area to visit places like Chimney Rock and Lake Lure for many years, but in the last decade or so, the opportunities to explore more of this area's amazing vistas, waterfalls, rich biodiversity, creeks, flora and fauna, and unique granite structures have expanded. I hope you get a chance to visit and explore this area soon. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you really enjoyed it, please consider leaving us a review. It really helps us to reach more people. And don't forget to subscribe and turn on notifications so you can stay up to date with all future episodes. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook and drop me a note at mike at explorationlocal.com if you ever have an idea for a future episode. I love connecting with guests in that way. Well, until we meet again, I encourage you to wander far, but explore local. <laughs>